Monday. Um, I hope that you're hearing me clearly. I know we've had some sound problems, uh, especially at the beginning of the show before Aaron joins us. And so I'm hoping that um, we resolve that and that you're hearing me well and clearly today. So uh, happy Monday. It is September 21st, 2020. It is crazy. We have zipped through this year, all locked down and snuggled up in our little cocoon of life. Um, and it is, it's hard to believe that we are into September. Um, where I'm at, they're starting to talk about schools back in classrooms, and it's very interesting. There's a lot of, of um, I think, politics going on, but also people debating over what the facts are and how afraid they are of those facts. And so, like, a neighboring county has started, and school districts in, in, their, in their area have started to uh, say they're going to send kids back to school. And one school district in Garden Grove decided they were going to go back to school at the beginning of October, and then two days later, after parents and teachers said, whoa, 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 this plan we have to go back is not very good. We'll see students actually less than we're seeing them right now. And we just got everything working here. Now we're going to make a start all over. It's going to be just another mountain of work, and it's going to be detrimental to the students. Let's not do it just yet. And so the school district backed off. And now they're thinking that they'll make the change back over at the end of the semester when there's a natural break, which in this case means that they would go right up to their Christmas break online and then switch. So we'll see what happens there. Um, And then the day after they made the decision not to do it, another school district, a neighboring school district in the area, the Orange Unified School District, decided that they will go back to on-ground teaching, and they'll start on the 28th of September. Now, the county that I live in is meeting this week to talk about uh, whether or not they're going to recommend it, but that it's it, they believe the, the, the mood is that they're going to recommend we go back to school, which means that then school boards in my county will soon start uh, meeting and taking votes as to whether or not they're going to start in-person teaching again. And, um, you know, I have family members who are teachers, so I very much hope, honestly, to be be 100% truthful here, uh, that their districts decide to wait and see what happens in the other districts first. Um, I I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want anybody to get sick. You know, and there's lots of issues. I mean, do they have the barriers to put up in classrooms? Are they going to be able to enforce wearing of masks? You know, I mean, and and the problems, I think, are very different. You know, you when they show teachers on television, a lot of times they're talking to elementary school teachers who have 30 kids or 36 kids in a classroom. Talk about secondary education. Teachers who teach high school and middle school, they see 180 kids coming through their classroom on a day-to-day basis. So what are the schools doing to mitigate the possible spread of disease when you've got, you know, 2,000 kids or more on a campus walking around in between class? You don't have enough adults there to say, put your mask on. Uh, you know, don't hold hands with your girlfriend. Don't, don't do stupid things that, that, that teenagers do because they will. They're teenagers. They're going to do stupid things. And so, um, you know, what do you do if a kid sneezes in your classroom? Does everybody else, you know, get up and walk out of the classroom and wait outside while you then clean it up? And you as the teacher, are you now putting yourself at risk to go clean that up? Do you have to go wipe down that person's space because they sneezed? Um, you know, and, and you're saying, well, they should, shouldn't be a big deal because they'll have their mask on. How many studies have we seen that now masks sometimes actually aerosolize the sneeze? So that large droplets that would have fallen to the ground are now very fine droplets that go floating around in the air. You know, I don't know that I want my my spouse and my brother in a, an enclosed space with a bunch of 
runny-nosed, sneezy, you know, middle schoolers, which is what they teach. Um, you know, I think that there are risks there, and uh, I'm concerned about that. And so, you know, they are both, um, by virtue of age, considered a high-risk group. And I worry about them. I love my family. Ah, speaking of family, here's my sister-in-law, Erin. Good morning, Erin. Hey, how are you? I am moderately neato. <laughs> That's a George Carlin line, but I like it. <laughs> so, uh, he um, was a great one. He was, he was. So I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, that we're starting to see some school districts decide to go back to school. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what plays out. Like Garden Grove last week said they were going to go back to school uh, in in person teaching uh, in the first week of October. And then two days later voted to postpone that for a while because both parents and teachers had some concerns about their plan. Uh, And the recommendation from those two groups was let's finish this semester and then go back at the natural break at the semester rather than just do it right now because we can. Because we literally just got all of our ducks in a row working properly doing online education and in their plan in particular uh, because they were going to be seeing half the students one day and half the students on another day they were literally taking the amount of time teachers spent in front of students and cutting it in half uh, based on compared to what they were doing online and teachers said you know especially secondary teachers I think that the primary teachers were like you know that'll work fine but the secondary teachers are going how am I going to deal with that? You know, and too often, I think on television, you see primary teachers saying, well, you know, I've got 36 kids I got to deal with. And, you know, we'll figure it out. We cut them in half and I'll see half in the morning and half in the afternoon or whatever. And but they're not talking about secondary teachers that see 180 kids a day come through their classroom. You know, yes. What do you yeah, do if one of those kids takes his mask off? Because, hey, they're, they're teenagers. And what if that kid sneezes? Are you now the one who has to go clean that up as a teacher? You know, that's a hazardous biomaterial at this point. You know, I don't know. I think a lot of questions still need to be answered. And although I think we need to get back to in-person teaching, I think we need to think about it and do it carefully. And I'd just as soon see some districts that don't have people that I know and love teaching try it first. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. You know, and that's 100%. You know, I know that every district has somebody who has somebody who knows and loves them. I'm totally yeah. biased in this, but, it, you know, it's just all, all else being equal. Um, you know, we're both married to teachers, and we, we, we love our family, and, uh, um, you know, I'm just being honest. <laughs> I have a bias here. So, yeah. The um, numbers, depending on who you're looking at, say that we hit 200,000 deaths in the United States uh, from COVID. Um, this, the, the CDC numbers say that we're right at 200,000, uh, NBC is reporting, but looking at the John Hopkins coronavirus resource center, they're saying it, we're at 199, 517,000. Well, and essentially at 200. Yeah. If we're, you know, 483,000 people shy of that. So, um, you know, either way, that's a huge number of people. You know, it's funny how our um, human minds work, right? You know, it's like, yeah, 199.999 doesn't seem as bad as two. You know, yes. Thus, the way everything everywhere has been priced. I have to say that that you know I'm kind of proud of of us for keeping it down as low as as we have. This pandemic has killed you know um, millions of people. Like, well, I think a million people worldwide. Yeah. And um, you know we're we're okay. As a percent of our population, we are not one of the worst countries by a long shot. 
no. So, you know, you know and I, I suspect I, we've got more honest reporting. I'm sorry. I said, I think we have more honest reporting than a lot of countries. I, I'm, I'm, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. It's I not mean, perfect. By, by, by <laughs> like China. Yeah. Yeah. China, Russia. You know, I don't, I don't believe China's numbers for a second. No, I don't either. I don't but, either. You know, they, they lied to us from the very beginning. Why would this be any different? Mm hmm. Yep. I absolutely agree. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, just inherently untrustworthy in, in their reporting of anything that would shed a poor light on them in their view. Right? And that's just yes. a given. A given. So, I, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, our media talks a lot about how President Trump botched handled the handling of this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, okay, can we, can we do a pardon the phrase, a post-mortem and look back and what worked and what didn't and learn from mm-hmm. it? Yes. I, yeah. I am I am tired of the Monday Monday morning quarterbacking, um, you know, because he's not only, he's not the Surgeon General, he is the President of the United States, and mm-hmm. he has to look at opportunity costs, like we've talked about, um, you know, and, and it's a big decision whether you sacrifice the economy. It is a big right. decision. Right. People well, say, I... well, you just care about money. No. No, I don't. It's not just about, you know, just about the dollars. This is how people feed themselves. This is how the the government is funded. This is how, you know, people live their lives. Right. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you. I'm I'm tired of the, in fact, I just saw a a Biden for president commercial. uh, I don't know whether it was last night before I went to bed or this morning after I got up, but there was a... um, uh, Biden for president commercial, and it's this woman who's who's crying about having lost somebody to COVID, and and you know, and then it cut. It's just very weepy, and 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 there, and I couldn't believe that they turned around and dumped it on the president's lap the way they they tried to phrase things. And I'm going like, while it's tragic that a woman lost her family and her loved ones, you know, I I put myself in her shoes and say, who would I be angry at? It wouldn't be the president of the United States. It's the last person who I would even expect to to you know. I mean, now. Yeah. I can understand people going, I don't like the way he's behaved. He's been incredibly unpresidential in certain respects because he has. That's his, you know, that's that's who he is. That's, that's his MO. You know, if you haven't figured that out by now, then, then uh, you know, you have unrealistic expectations of him to suddenly change, you know, his personality because that ain't happening. Um, but, you know, that said, um, you know, it's who, you know, the the way our our society is structured those particular things about breaking out and securities and stuff is really done at the county level as you and I have talked about many times yes. it's really your county health official and so wherever you live that's the person you need to pay attention to and frankly you know all of this um uh, there's been a lot of stuff i've been watching like i said a lot of sports ball so i've been watching football and and basketball and basketball in particular has had a lot of public service announcements and messages about get out the vote get out the vote you know go vote go vote be really, really careful about looking at your local candidates. People tend to go, I'm going to vote president this and president that. And then they just vote, you know, party line or a lot of local positions are not even party based positions. But, you know, pay attention to who's voted on to your county board of health yes. and your county supervisors. Those are the people who impact you more directly than anybody else. You know, read up on these people, pay some, you know, spend a little bit of time educating yourself as to who the heck they are and what they believe, because that's going to have a bigger impact on you than literally any other thing on that ballot. Yes. Um, you know, and then uh, and as you get further away up to the state level, then that's the next. The, the, the federal stuff is honestly, it's 
broad sweeping things. You know, it's 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 probably, and I'm, I'm not trying to downplay it because it's important. And it's big big issues, but but what affects you as an individual is the stuff closest to you. You yes. know, and I don't think enough is pay, enough attention is paid to that, and and certainly not in the in the um, in your uh, your news organizations do they talk about that and what's going on. Now I understand that you guys already got a um, the the state voter information booklet that talks we about did. the different ballots. Well, I haven't gotten the, mine yet. It comes from the county registrar. Your registrar, right? Yeah, but the information is kind of put together by each state, isn't it, or by the state, or is it, or is it done by the registrar? I think it's the well, the registrar puts the book together, right? But but there are different agencies that um, uh, provide I, you know, the information the that go into each book. That, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because, so yeah. if you have a state level office, think about who you're voting for as registrar, then, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. One more reason for that. So, um, well, I haven't gotten mine yet because I live in a different county, and I've heard that mine is supposed to be out by the first week of October. So, uh, well, I think they're supposed to be out statewide, regardless of which county you live in by then. So, uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled. The reason I'm bringing that up is because I would like to start talking about stuff that's on the ballots, but I don't have the ammo to do that yet. I know I can research it online, but um, you know, you got you have your book, and, and so as soon as I get my book, we can start reading, and we can you know just work our way through some of the different ballot issues because there's some interesting state ballot issues for California this year as well. So, um, indeed, indeed, that, and, uh, and local issues. There's one here in, Cal- mm-hmm. in uh, San Bernardino County that um, has to do with funding for our firefighters, and mm-hmm. there is a, a, a an assessment that goes on our property taxes. Um, for the county and San Bernardino had already voted yes for it. it it's like 160 bucks a year mm-hmm. um, that will that will pay for this fire district. Well, there's a there's an effort on the county level to roll that back, and it's like, well, okay, if, now? if this the last month has not taught you anything else, it should <laughs> yeah. should have taught you or told you that we need fire protection. Yeah, their timing of that is like, wow, could you have picked a worse? Time? Right. I mean, it's like just so happens that that elections fall in the middle of fire season, and this one is a bad fire season. People can't breathe, and you want to do away with firemen. Yes. It's like, um, and they're well, they can come out of the general fund. Where? How? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, just it's a hundred and sixty bucks a year, and even if it goes up to two hundred dollars a year, that's nothing. That's That's pretty cheap insurance, you know. And yeah, I know there's people who are make going month to month, but you know. 160 or 120 bucks a year is ten dollars a month you know um yes you could double that to twenty dollars a month and and cover this and then some and and if it meant that we didn't have to uh you know choke and gasp when we go outside every day um you know or have sneezing fits that's my issue is the i I smell the smoke and my nose gets tickly and i will have a a allergic uh hay fever type reaction and, and spend the next 10 minutes sneezing to the point where my body literally aches oh that's terrible and it and 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 then at the end of it i'll sit there like just exhausted aching with my eyes watering and my nose running and going like i can't stand this and it's weird because it'll just happen randomly i'll be sitting there doing nothing and suddenly it'll just start and it happens once if not twice a day now since the fires yikes yeah. Oh, luckily I'm better than somebody like, I mean, I, you have asthma. It's not like I, I, you know, can't breathe and have to sit there, you know, gasping for air as some people might be or people who have COPD or emphysema or having, you know, breathing issues to begin with. 
uh, mine is a 10 minute ordeal and then I recover and I'm gone my way. <laughs> you know, it's, yes. it's uncomfortable and annoying and irritating, but it's not, uh, it, protracted and, and life threatening. So, so I'll count my lucky stars. So I, I am, uh, only my asthma is pretty manageable. Like I don't need to use my inhaler. Um, mm -hmm. unless there's a fire, if there's a fire, man, it is bad. Yeah. You know, so whatever, whatever particulates that, that, that come floating down in the ash, my, my, uh, my lungs do not like them. Yeah. Breathing your air and chunky are not words you like to use in the same sentence, right? The air is <laughs> chunky today. What's the weather outlook? Chunky air. <laughs> exactly. That, that's like that, uh, Steve Martin, um, farcical movie where it was chubby rain oh yes oh yes <laughs> oh, steve oh, martin oh, oh, and and, and um and eddie murphy eddie murphy is. yeah oh the chubby rain. that is such a good movie it is it is it so is funny and there's a, lots of people finger. in there you watch it what was, oh yeah bowfinger yeah bowfinger. watch bowfinger it is hilarious it is a great laugh it is escapist comedy and you'll, as you watch it, you'll go like, oh, wait a minute. She's that girl from that thing. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. You know, because there's tons of people that are like, uh, have gone on to do other things or had already done big things in the movie that are playing lots of little weird roles and stuff, too. It's just, it, there's a lot of little Easter eggs like that. And it's just, it's so funny because it's, it's um, them playing around with Hollywood memes that they probably all know so well. So it was funny. So, and it makes fun of Hollywood culture. Very much so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, they just you know they're both insiders and know about the Hollywood culture, and so it's sort of the, you know, there's the the girl who wants to sleep her way to stardom, so she's like you know, meets the star, and then the director's better, so she dumps the star for the director, who then she dumps for the producer, and then she's like you know keep working her way up to the top here. Whoever's got the money, who can who can get her another role, and the whole um, premise is these like super low budget movies. And how they're filmed, and it just—it's comical. It's really funny. So, <laughs> Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give it two thumbs up. We'll give it, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll call Gosh. it metaphorical thumbs up since you can't see our thumbs. But my th one of my thumbs is up right now. I don't know if yours are, but one of my thumbs is up. So, ah. so Nancy Pelosi says that she's not going to rule out another impeachment. That if the president oh, goes and does what the president is constitutionally uh, supposed to do, and then the Congress does what the Congress is constitutionally supposed to do, she's going to decide that that's somehow wrong and and perhaps impeach him again. Uh, this is over him so replacing well Ginsburg. Time? Yeah, this is this is her considering uh, the issues about replacing Ginsburg. Now, I will say. I will say that my big argument is not with the president because I expect the president to nominate somebody just like Obama nominated somebody, even though the Republicans are pitching a hissy fit saying, you know, he's on his way out. There's no reason for him to do that. But um, I will say two things are different. He was at the end of his second term, so he was not running again. Uh, so the situation was different. And he had a Senate that was of a different party, controlled by a different party than he was. So the Senate can do and say whatever they want, and he can do and say whatever he wants. Um, it says advice and consent in the in the Constitution, and their advice at that point in time was don't nominate somebody, and they refused to give their consent. And so both parties, if you take all the rhetoric, rhetoric away, what they actually did was completely constitutional. It may have been uh, 
uh, ethically or morally questionable in your eyes or my eyes or somebody's eyes, but it was completely constitutional. And if this time they decide to reverse their course and 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 uh, you know nominate and then approve somebody, which I think they will certainly try to do, um, you know, you may ethically or morally disagree with it or feel uh, anger at them flip flopping. Because previously, in a similar situation, they said, no, you can't elect some, or select somebody to a president who was of a different party. That at, Either way, if you look at just what they're doing, they're doing exactly what the Constitution says they're supposed to do. Yes. And you know who said that? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes, she did. You know? And while she vo- her daughter voiced her dying wish, which I don't know if that was really true or not, but that's what her daughter said it was, so I have no re- I'll take her at her word. That, that she not be replaced until after the election. Um, I, you know, she would, if she were alive today, she would probably also say, that would be my wish, but constitutionally they have every right to do whatever they want because right. they do. And, and the dying, I mean, I may, but yes, she doesn't have the power to influence that at all. Right. You know, you don't, yeah. there's no obligation to honor that. Right. And she I think that she would admit successor. She would very much say that, you know, if she were alive today, she would say, you know, this is my dying wish that they would wait, but they don't have to. They don't have to listen to me. You know, constitutionally, their job is to nominate and then advise and consent. And and they can do that on their own timetable, and they undoubtedly will. Um, you know, I personally have a little bit of concern about the court getting too many people of one political persuasion or another. I like a fairly balanced court that sometimes goes one way and sometimes goes another because somebody becomes a swing vote. And so it concerns me a little bit that we're going to have another um, uh, person nominated by a, I don't want to say conservative because he's not a conservative, but certainly he is listening to conservatives when he selects um, Supreme Court nominees. Right. But, but, but here's the thing. People tend to change when they get on the court. They certainly do. You know, you yeah. think that a judge, is, a judge is going to lean one way or the other, and they get on the court and they don't. They do, yeah. they do, you know, and they may not even, there's no, you know, they may not even be completely party line. They yeah, might, you they can't take be, your vote back, right? <laughs> so once yeah, they're there, they're there. Yeah, and they know there. it. And, and that was, yeah. that was um, uh, the, uh, that was the point of having judges have terms that went on for life, right? Exactly. They were appointed for life. Yeah, so you're not beholden, beholden to anybody. To anybody, right? You're beholden yeah. to the law. That's the idea. Yeah, the Constitution. So, yeah, that's that's your that's your uh, your whole shtick when you're on the Supreme Court. I mean, Justice Roberts gave us um, the ruling on on Obergefell, which was the gay marriage ruling. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you were to just the fact that he was conservative, appointed by a conservative, didn't make a difference. He followed right. what he felt was right with the law. Right now, you can argue the legal merits of that, um, yeah. but, but then that's a different issue. And well, so, peop- uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say people point to you know Scalia as being this 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 right wing stalwart, and yet Scalia at times would vote in what would apparently be a very liberal fashion because he basically said, you know, we're not here to make laws. You know, his philosophy of the court was we interpret the Constitution. And so this is what the Constitution says. That then, and based on what we're there was is there, this is what should happen. And if, if you don't like it, then make a law, you know, or change the Constitution. There's ways to do both those things. Uh, but it's not my job to go 
do that. You know, that's that's the job of the the Congress and the president to you know sign. And so, yeah, um, I agree he, with he, him. By the way, I, I do too. I, I Scalia is sort of my hero on the court in just the way he approached things. Um, uh, but you know, it it uh, and I think it it befuddled and 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 furrowed the brow of many a a staunch conservative sometimes because because of the way he approached it. Um, you know, and, and I know a lot of liberals looked at him and went, oh, he's this horrible conservative guy. But every once he once in a while, he surprised the heck out of them. And they would go like, wow, he got one right. You know, and, and from his perspective, he got them all right because they were all in alignment with his, you know, moral, ethical and legal perspective. Yes. So, well, and in fact, I won't even say they were in alignment with his moral and legal or moral and ethical, because I know for a fact I, I've, I've in, in listening to uh, one of his uh, speeches at one point in time. And uh, he uh, talked about I can't remember which one it was, but there was a particular case where he he voted in a fashion that he didn't morally agree with. But he said, legally, that's the only way to go. I you know that if you don't like it, you know, go lobby and get the laws changed. But that's what the law says and so you know i'm a judge that's my job i'm a you know supreme court justice i uphold the law that and that makes me love him and because you know what 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 has happened is you know congress especially the house focuses on raising money and running for office and grandstanding which is Mm -hmm. part of raising money and running for office and they're not doing their job they they write a bad law in hopes that the court will clean it up for them and they still have plausible deniability to vote to their voters mm-hmm. who didn't like what it what it what they did um and that's not the purpose of the court so kicking it right. back to congress and telling them to do their job is exactly what should happen exactly exactly yeah and you know what i mean honestly you mentioned the fact that you know once a justice gets on the court they kind of go their own way um, there's been plenty of, of evidence you can point to different justices who were appointed by conservative presidents and or liberal presidents, and then they ended up being more liberal and or conservative than you expected um, in a lot of ways. I think that there are, are some justices who, uh, and I know I tend to do this too, and, and in fact it's it's people find it frustrating about my personality, is I have a tendency to, if there's people having a discussion about something, I take the opposing view if nobody else is just so that we talk about it and I kind of do that just naturally and it sometimes irritates people because I will start defending something and it's I I will find myself sometimes defending things that I don't agree with at all but I'm just just so that we talk about it because I want it to be talked through so I play devil's advocate a lot and I've had to I still don't do it enough I need to learn to tell people that's what I'm doing when I'm doing it but I don't I'm not always aware of it because I just kind of do it subconsciously um, but I think there are some justices who very much do that, that they, you know, they will um, sometimes force the conversation on things into areas that they don't always agree with, but they just want to make sure that it's talked through by everybody before we take a vote, you know? Yeah, that they've thought about every angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see that happening sometimes during their um, open arguments, which, by the way, if nobody, if, if anybody listening has never um, uh, listened to that, you can sometimes get those um uh, they don't allow video in there very often, but there's sometimes audio recordings of it. But there's also sometimes video of it. And it's stunning how hard it is to argue something in front of the Supreme Court. You can barely get a word out before they cut you off because you've already given them your written brief. So they've read through that. Mind you, these are some of the best legal minds in the country. So they've read through this. They've picked it apart. They pretty much know what they're thinking, but they want to see if you can defend it to them and maybe change their mind. 
And so you'll start explaining something, and they just cut you off. And there's there's nine of them, so they're taking turns cutting you off. And some are more prone to do it than others. But you barely get a word out. They, they cut you off and, and ask you a question. And before you can answer the question, they cut you off and ask you another question. <laughs> yes, everybody except um, uh, Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Thomas is one who doesn't usually engage with that. And, um, and, he doesn't say anything. Yeah, and the chief justice. Well, and his point, people have criticized him for that. And his point is, I've already read the brief. I already know what their opinion is. You know, I listen and I sit there because I have to. But, you know, they've already explained themselves. Both sides have explained themselves. I, you know, I already know where I'm going to vote. And nothing they're going to say is going to change me at this point because I already read all the details. You know, they've, they've you know, and, and we say brief. Brief is a is a is a, a humorous uh, euphemism for sometimes you know hundred page documents, right? <laughs> hundred and hundred page. <laughs> they these briefs sometimes are not brief at all. But, no, uh, no. Well, when, it's like briefing the president. When you brief the president, doesn't mean that you give him a, a short synopsis. It means you bring him up to speed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a different definition of brief there, but don't don't confuse that with something done in a short matter of time or using few words. Um, although, although that's been one criticism of of uh, President Trump by some people is that he actually makes the briefs brief. He's <laughs> like, just cut to the chase, you know. Which, on some level, you gotta admire that too, you know, whether you like the man or not. It's like, can we just, you know, get to the point? Yes. Why, why spend a thousand words saying something that can be said in ten? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, it's funny because I think most Americans are like that, uh-huh. um, you know, that that especially business people, you don't have any time at all. And so, you know, you just you want to know, give me the salient details. Right. I don't need to know all the all the ins and outs. Yeah. And somebody coming out of the world of business, um, you know, that's the way his mind works. And like you said, I think a lot of Americans, that's something that they can relate to. It's like, I, I, I don't need a novel every time you talk to me. Just tell me what's, you know, give me a bullet <laughs> point of what, like that, right? yeah, yeah. It's like, give me a bullet list of what's happening today in the world. You know, I used to love it when I worked for the newspaper every day, the editorial staff would get something called, I worked for the Gannett corporation and they would get what was called the Gannett news summary. And whoever worked the uh, uh, specific shift in the morning uh, in the department, in the IT department that I was in, your job was to, uh, one of your jobs was to uh, go download this Gannett Daily News Summary and then go over to the copy machine and knock out a bunch of copies and drop it off in the editorial department. There was a director of, like, I think there was five or six directors of the, you know, there's like a marketing director, a production director that was over the pressman, the editor, uh, the there was like a newsroom director, so there was like two people in the newsroom, the publisher, and the accounting department. So there was like six there I just named off um, that were at that directoral level. And uh, and so your job was to go take the, that around to each of those people and just say, here's the important things that are happening today. And from that, then you can kind of figure out, you know, anything that you need you need to be aware of or, as, or stories that the paper should be following. You know, it just kind of gave a basic direction, you know, and it was mostly national stuff. There wasn't a lot of local stuff unless something local was going to balloon up into a national level thing but it was so nice to get that i love that little news summary because it was literally one eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper on one side there was a bold very brief title and the title was always something written by somebody who wasn't like a headline writer like newspaper headline writers their job is to get people to pick it up and read the story so the headlines are always you know worst ever type of wording you know whereas this was you know three thousand die here you know police manage you know, uh, break out of crowds in, you know, wherever. And so it was, it was just very matter of fact 
state the facts, and I loved that. They should sell that. I would subscribe to the Gannett Daily News Summary uh, type of news and, and get a daily brief that didn't have any, you know, I don't want links to to edited and, and, and uh, polished stories with headlines that are, are screaming at me. Just give me bullet points. That would be a great way to start my day. I always uh, kept I a copy. I always kept a copy. When I made copies, I always made one extra copy for yours truly. You know, I would <laughs> drop off those things in everybody's mailboxes and then sit down and have a morning cup of joe and read the daily news summary. So I was up on what was going on in the world and then get on with the business of running the computers. So I started the, um, the radio show and uh, talk, trying to talk about something that I totally forgot about the bigger news story. Um, there was a, a BuzzFeed broke a story this weekend. Uh, uh, they have some, somebody sent them some damning bank documents. Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah. You started to talk about that, and then I, sw- I kind of turned you towards no, uh, RBG. Well, and you were right. That was a, that obviously RBG was a bigger story, and I'd forgotten that it broke after, fri- after we got yeah. the air on Friday. Yeah, it's such a good weekend. You kind of forgot about what happened on Friday. <laughs> exactly. So um, the, new, the new Panama Papers are out, and they're just as ugly, if not worse. Um, uh, leaked government documents show that big banks are laundering untold trillions of dollars for shady yeah, operators around the world. Trillions. Yeah. Yes, with a T. Trillions. Trillions of dollars. Um, uh, so J.P. Morgan Chase and HSBC appear to be the, among the banks moving huge sums of money for drug kingpins, corrupt leaders, terrorist organized crime groups, and others seeking to launder illicit funds and make them available in respectable bank accounts. The papers, known as FinCEN uh, files, were compiled by reporters and shared with over 100 media organizations across 88 countries. Mm-hmm. So, 2,100 um, suspicious activity reports have been filed. Yes. Um, 2,100. <laughs> Twenty-one exactly. Which banks and financial firms filed with U.S. Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, when the bank uh, fears a client is breaking the law? But some experts say SARS are filed and mostly forgotten. The feds rarely crack down on the banks, and, and the banks continue funneling that money while amassing billions of dollars in fees. Well, of course they do, and interest and everything. Yeah. Although I've got to say, if they filed two thousand one hundred. SARS, suspicious activity reports, oh, all these fun FinCEN, SARS, and, you know, <laughs> even the name of the bank, HSBC. Can't these guys use a real word? Anyhow, um, it's, I get tired of this stuff. Um, you know, of course, we've been talking about COVID for months, and that's an acronym too, right? So anyway, um, the although it's become a word. Let's just face it. It's not even used as it. Nobody knows what it stands for or cares what it stands for anymore. COVID just means disease. Anyhow, um, you know, if they've been filing the suspicious activity reports, then the banks have been doing their job. I, I put this on the government. It's like, get off your butt and figure out what's going on. Don't just file these things. I mean, come on. They put, they give them to you saying something's not right here. And if you're taking them, you know, round filing them or, or you know, not taking any action off of that, then that's not on the banks. You know, their that's job is to make well, money. They, I know, but they still have to, they're still supposed to follow the law. And the no. law probably says what you have to do is file a suspicious activity report. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, so, what do you want them to do? Say, sorry, we can't take your money because we think maybe there might be something shady going on here? 
Oh, I'm sure they know. Todd. They would I'm get sure sued. Yeah, but they'd probably I'm get sure sued. They know. Yeah, yeah. So, in one case, the BBC reports that a shady shell company called ABSI Enterprises funneled more than a billion dollars in transactions through a J.P. Morgan account. The bank has reasons to be had reasons to be suspicious, and later learned the company might be owned by an underworld figure on the FBI's most wanted list. So, North Lovely. Chinese <laughs> firms, rather, and shell companies laundered more than 174 million dollars through U.S. banks to North Korea's regime. Uh, UK-based Standard Charter Bank helped clients at an Arab bank across access, rather, America's financial system, even after regulators rang alarm bells about the money laundering at that Arab bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, and apparently there... Bankers are crooks? Really? Yeah. There is a, a Manafort connection. Uh, of course. Uh, uh, so BuzzFeed used the SARS cash to run stories in 2018 about secret payments to shell companies overseen by uh, uh, former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort who's now serving federal time. Um, and so that was, you know, he uh, was active in that. And they just needed to throw that in there because it's BuzzFeed. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> so, but, you know, the banks, let's let's not forget, banks are not your friend. They're, they're just not. You know, they, uh, uh, they, and if you think about World War II and World War One and every other war, somebody was financing those. They were banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're there to make to to return to mm-hmm. get as high as a return on investment as they can. Yeah, yeah. Don't expect a bank to make moral judgments, but it's it's a little disconcerting that if they were filing these suspicious activity reports, that nothing was done. Um, you know, that's that's not good, um, and I'm sure that that that. Uh, this will turn into a conversation that a lot of um, liberal politicians are going to say, here's a reason not to vote for a businessman as our president, right? Yeah, except because, the politicians are involved in this too. Because he's you biased. Yeah, as if you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's like, don't expect no bias. Just pick the bias you prefer and vote for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there, there's, there's some connected to drunk, drug kingpins and, of course, yeah the russian government and yeah when the account name is is you know uh uh, uh drug pusher llc uh, <laughs> you know or kingpin uh limited you know you kind of go hmm is he a bowler <laughs> you know? um, yeah yeah so the, the fines are clearly not working they're seen by the banks as a cost of doing business so they really you are need to, you need to start arresting people yeah, well, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of people who felt that way about the the last uh, financial meltdown that we had. That the banks yes. walked away with a slap on the wrist, and and a lot of the bankers, the people who running the bank, the top people, got bonuses right after that because it's like they made so much money that the, even the cost of the the fines afterward didn't hurt them at all. And no. so the the question is, well, then maybe we should be you know finding something better than Club Fed for these guys. Maybe we yes. need to just take away some liberty and say, you know what? What you're doing is not only not nice, it's darn illegal. You took down the American economy through your graft and your greed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there should be consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we can't go back and retroactively do that now, but uh, it doesn't but mean we have to continue this stupidity. Forward. Exactly. Uh, we certainly can. And uh, I know that um, uh, that was one of the criticisms of the Obama administration was that they weren't rough enough on the banks. 
uh, and Obama's defense was that you know that that would that 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 would have brought on further collapse of the banking system had we not propped it up and and kind of kept things rolling for a while. But I think the individuals within the bank certainly could have been punished more, held personally accountable, and that's what they've got to try to do. And I think there was some some law changes post that time period that are supposed to make that easier, but um, I don't remember the details. Yeah. It just, it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all. No. But it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, very, very frustrating. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, that's sort of the same take that I get when, um, when, with some of, of our president's behavior. It's like, you know, I, I, the way he, his, his, his um, bravado and his, his speech patterns and stuff sometimes can be very irritating, but that shouldn't be a surprise at this point to anybody. So, you know, you, you need to say, well, okay in the in the sum of the game in the analysis what did he actually do don't pay a whole lot of attention to what he says because he bloviates a lot and and if you don't like that then don't vote for him but you know it's it's you kind of almost have to separate what the pre- president does from what he says and quite honestly that's that's true of every politician you know whether you agree with them or not in in general you know, there won't be a hundred percent alignment, but with any politician, you probably should be looking at what they actually do and not what they say, because sometimes the two are not in alignment, and you think you're voting for somebody who who does and says things that you like, and then you look at what they actually do and what the results of that are, and you go, maybe not. You know, it just uh, I I guess my my basic gist of all this is I've seen a whole bunch of like get out the vote information, and what I would like to say is you know get off your butt and research a little bit before you vote so that you know what you're voting for. Yes, get out the vote. But if you're not going to spend the time to understand what you're voting for, then don't vote. Because I would rather not have a bunch of people voting that are buffaloed by, by, you know, uh, election year garbage look and not spend the time to look at what actually people are doing as opposed to what they're saying. I agree with you. At least those that have a track record. Yeah, if you can't be bothered to know why you're voting or what you're voting for, then you shouldn't be voting. Yeah, don't just show up. I, I love to get out the vote, but don't just get out the vote and, and show up at the polls and say, okay, so what are we doing here now? Um, <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, and the thing is, too, people don't realize this, but you I mean you don't have to vote for everything that's on the ballot. So if you get there and you haven't had the time to look at some of the ballot uh, uh, issues, you can skip those, you know, just vote the top of the ballot or just both the bottom of the ballot or pick and choose the things that you actually know and have some feeling about. Uh, you know, and I wish that more people would do that. Unfortunately, I think the vast majority of people get in there and they mark something for everything. Yeah. If it's there, they, they pick one, you know, and very often it's, it's based on either the party that the person's affiliated with, or, you know, I like this guy's name or I want more women. So I'll, I'll put female names or I want, you know, people who have an ethnic sounding name in there. And it's that's horrible. It's horrible. Yes, I, I agree, and I I um, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And if you don't want to vote for either of the of the uh, geniuses running for president, that would be me. In this state, it doesn't really matter. So um, yeah, if the state's going to go for Biden no matter what. So. Um, I yeah. don't like either of them, so I probably won't vote top of the ticket. Yeah. Well, I, I did not. I, I, I mentioned that before last time around. I did not vote top of the ticket. I just made a mental note that I will accept whoever wins and say, okay, that's that's who the population picked because I did not like either candidate. And so I chose not to vote top of the ticket last time around. Um, you know, and I know some people who said, well, 
I'll just pick a third party candidate. I'm not going to give my vote to one of those guys, but I'll pick somebody on a third party, a libertarian or, you know, you know, pick. I mean, there's always a bunch of people on the on the list. You know, there's the two main parties. There's a bunch of others there that have no real chance of getting anything. But uh, but, you know, you can pick one of them and just say, this is my retaliatory vote. So get out and vote, but educate yourself a little bit before you do it. Exactly. And and we are going to um, be talking about ballot measures. We're going to be interviewing candidates, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, on our radio show on KCAA, and maybe here on the podcast too. Maybe we'll throw up some recordings, um, so you can listen to KCAA on iHeart. You search for uh, "On the Brink." That's the name of the show. "On the Brink" on KCAA under podcasts. There are other on the brinks. Ours has a little coffee cup because we are a morning show and you can listen to our show. Um, uh, You can also listen if you're in Southern California in the Inland Empire at 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM and 10.50 AM um, from 6 to 7 AM. That's Monday through Friday. And it's really like 6.05 AM Monday through Friday. Yeah, yeah, we come on a little after the hour because of paying the bills, got some commercials that got to play. And then what we do is we we transition to the radio, from the radio to the podcast. Uh, Usually we wrap radio right around 7 o'clock so that you can get in a few more commercials before they transition to a a nationally syndicated show. And uh, while you're doing that and wrapping up, I go ahead and get the, the podcast launched and started. And then you join me usually within two or three minutes. So that's sort of our routine here at Back From The Brink and thus the name back from the brink uh, thanks for joining us i'm todd brinker i'm aaron brinker have a great day everybody we'll see you tomorrow